So, week two of just ten, our series looking at the Ten Commandments. It's, uh, as Josh said last week, based on, on J. John. He's got a book and he came and ran the series at the cathedral a few years ago. I know last week a few of you put your hands up to say you went to that. And he's, the videos are all online as well if you want to, to watch him do those talks. But even if you've read the book and seen the talks and all of that, hopefully I'll come up with something new, because while we're basing it on it, I'm not just reading his script. Anyway, over these ten weeks, we're working our way through the Ten Commandments. And I hope what we'll see is the Ten Commandments aren't just a bunch of rules that are there to restrict and constrain us. They're not there to stop us having fun, to ban us from doing things. Instead, what the Ten Commandments are, is they're the maker's guidelines. God, our creator, has given us these guidelines to help us to know how best to live our lives, to live our lives as he intended, to live our lives to the full and get the most out of life. Last week, Josh started with the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet. Not because this is some kind of top ten countdown, working from number ten to number one commandment, but because the tenth commandment, thou shalt not cover, is the start of so much sin. We're tempted to steal because we see what other people have got and we want it. We can be tempted to adultery because we see people and we want a relationship with them even though they're not our spouse. We can be tempted to idolatry because we want to be able to make God do what we want him to do rather than what he wants to do. So finding contentment is key to our starting point in the journey of a better understanding of how we should live our lives. And now this week we move on to the ninth commandment. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. I do love God's sense of humour in giving this commandment to me to talk about today. When in my day job I am basically a professional liar. (laughs) A what? Well, according to Mark Twain, there are lies, damn lies and statistics. (laughs) And I am a statistician for my job. So yes, I am a professional liar of a sort. But for all of us, we live in a world now where the ninth commandment is more important than ever. We had the era of spin. Highly biased interpretations designed to manipulate public opinion, shall we say. But we've gone even beyond that now into a world of fake news. I'm sure many of you will have seen the news this week when we had our two Russian tourists talking about how they'd been on holiday to Salisbury. News we can't even trust. The internet is full of contradictory stories on a whole range of subjects And we can't even trust our newspapers because we know that so many of them are biased in one way or another. What do we believe? 
and we can't believe our eyes anymore. Back in the 80s, Buck's Fizz made it to number one with the song, My Camera Never Lies. And it used to be that if you had a picture of something, a photograph, you knew that that was true. But digital editing means that that's no longer the case. Our magazine covers are full of people with flattened stomachs and spots got rid of. You can take a photograph and erase someone entirely or add someone new in. We can't believe what we see in pictures anymore. And it's not just a question of what's true and what's not true. The very nature of truth itself is being questioned. The rise in postmodern thinking has seen relativism expanding so that there are many out there who would argue that there is no such thing as absolute truth. The fact that something's true for me doesn't make it true for you. And just because it's true for you, it doesn't mean it's true for me. People will say that you can have two opposing, contradictory ideas, but if both can be seen to be true then both can be true because truth purely depends on how you see it. Strange as it may seem, there are people who believe that. So we live in a world of spin and fake news and digitally altered photographs and relativism. What does it mean when God says, do not bear false witness against your neighbour? Well, to be entirely honest, let me start by saying the ninth commandment does not say, do not lie. You may hear it translated as such. If you went onto J. John's website, you'll see the subtitle for this week's talk is, you shall not lie. But that's not what the Bible actually says. If you look back at the words used, they actually refer to a courtroom when a witness is giving evidence. And so a more literal translation would be, do not commit perjury. So does that mean it's okay to lie? As long as we're not doing it in a courtroom? No, no, of course it doesn't. Two reasons why. The first is that virtually all lies are in the form of false witness against our neighbour. Virtually everything we say as a lie does have an impact on other people. I could say the sky is pink, and that obviously doesn't have anything against my neighbour, but why would I say something like that? You lie either to make yourself look better or to make other people look worse most of the time. To say I didn't do it is to imply somebody else did. And even if we say something that isn't directly against someone else, If we're giving somebody false information and they then go away and act on that false information, it still goes against our neighbour. But the second reason, more importantly, is this. Even in those rare cases when a lie isn't against our neighbour, it is against God. Because God is truth. He doesn't just tell the truth, 
He is truth. Titus 1.2 tells us that God cannot lie. But Jesus went further when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He was declaring that he is truth himself. And we find this throughout the Bible. In Psalm 43, the psalmist calls to God saying, send forth your light and your truth and let them guide me. Isaiah 65 verse 16 says, whoever invokes a blessing in the land will do so by the God of truth. And in John 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. It is part of the very nature of God. It is the spirit of truth that lives within us. And so any kind of lie is going against that very essence of God that is the spirit of truth living in us. So even if technically the ninth commandment says do not commit perjury, It's clear that we do need to be a people who hold on to the truth. And there's two types of false witness in particular I want to look at this morning. Two main types of lie. The first of these is gossip or slander. In the message translation, Exodus 23 verse 1 says, Don't pass on malicious gossip. And Leviticus 19 verse 16 says, don't spread gossip and rumours. What's wrong with a little bit of gossip? What's wrong with a little bit of juicy goss, you know, sharing it over a cup of coffee, just talking about people, mate, might be friends or colleagues, it might be celebrities, but you're just having a chat. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Laura Schlesinger, in her book on the Ten Commandments, wrote this description. My name is gossip. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I'm quoted the more I'm believed. I flourish at every level of society and my victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same. I topple governments, wreck marriages and ruin careers. I cause sleepless nights and heartaches. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry on their pillows. Even my name hisses, gossip. I'm sure you all know 
The old playground saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. One of the biggest lies of all. Because the hurt that comes from name-calling and unkind words and gossip can cut far deeper and last much longer than any bruises. In fact, it could be said that gossip is one of the biggest killers of young people in the world. According to the World Health Organisation, the third biggest killer of 15 to 24-year-olds is suicide. And a major factor in many of those suicides is bullying. Not necessarily physical bullying, but name-calling, a rumour-spreading that wrecks young people's lives. And these days, the rise of social media means that gossip can spread faster than ever before. You don't even need to be in the same room. You don't even need to know the people you're gossiping about. All you do is type a few lines and they disappear around the world. There's another old saying. There's no smoke without fire. And that's just as untrue. Yes, times there is smoke without fire. Just because you hear a story about someone does not mean it's true. Some are, but some aren't. So before we believe anything we hear, we should ask those who are telling us, how do they know? Who told them? What evidence have they got? If something's just been heard by someone, from someone, from someone, we really should question whether or not it's true. Mud sticks whether it's true or not, unfortunately. Since the Jimmy Savile case, there have been a number of high-profile cases of celebrities being accused of various offences, Some of those have been convicted, but others have been cleared. But because of this saying, there will be people who always question, well, were they really innocent or did they just get away with it? Because gossip sticks, mud sticks. Gossip can destroy people, whether or not it's true. And sometimes we don't even realise that we are gossiping. Sometimes we might just think, well, we're just talking and sharing. But I think we need to try and apply the think test before we say anything about anyone. Think stands for true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, kind. Before we share anything, we should ask ourselves, is it true and helpful and inspiring and necessary and kind? If we can answer yes to all those questions, fair enough. But if the answer to any of those is no, it's not sharing, it's gossiping. Other times, we might bear false witness without actually saying anything at all. It's amazing the power of one little word, but. He's nice, but. 
She's lovely, but... Insinuation means we don't even need to say anything. In fact, often it can be even worse because what's going on in the imagination of the hearer can be far worse than anything that you were going to say. So we need to be careful about what we don't say as well as what we do. And this is the kind of thing that James is talking about in our reading today. The tongue is small, but oh so powerful. Yes, it can be a tool for good. It can be a tool for praising God. But it also can be a tool for evil. We need to be so careful with how we use it. There may be some here who know what that's like. Who've been on the receiving end of gossip. J. John tells the story of a woman who goes to see a psychiatrist and recounts back a story from when she was a child who had a teacher who didn't like her very much and for some reason one day called her out the front and wrote on the board, you are a failure. And then one by one called other children up from the class and got them to write things on the board as well about this girl. And the psychiatrist listened to this story and then told the woman what she didn't see. When all of the children had got up and written their lies and their horrible things on the board, what she didn't see was that Jesus got up and wiped it clear and instead wrote, I love you on the board. Jesus came to rub it out, not to rub it in. And if you have been on the receiving end of gossip and rumours and lies, even if there is a grain of truth maybe in some of them, but still horrible and hurtful, Jesus is there to heal those hurts. He can put his arms around you and whisper words of truth and tell you that he loves you. So that's gossip and slander. But the second type of lie I want to address this morning is that of denial. The lie about ourselves. The claiming to be innocent when we're not entirely blameless. I didn't do it. It's the oldest lie in the book, quite literally. Because if we turn to the Bible and go back to the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, God asks Adam about eating the fruit. And his immediate response is, well, Eve gave it to me. And when he speaks to Eve, she says, well, the serpent tricked me. We don't want to take responsibility for the things that we have done. Sometimes we blame others. Other times we may come up with other excuses. We blame circumstances. We didn't know. We couldn't help ourselves. There was something else. The temptation was too great. 
But whatever excuses we come up with, we try and evade responsibility for the things that we have done. We're not alone in doing this. This is something that's affected every descendant of Adam and Eve. But ultimately, we are responsible for our own lives. Yes, Eve did give Adam the apple, and the serpent did kind of talk Eve into it. And there are contributory factors often to us falling and making mistakes. But we are responsible for our actions. We need to admit to it. And this happens both in our dealings with others and our dealings with God himself. Now, if we're lying to others, we might get away with it. But more often than not, we don't. We'll be found out in the end. Abraham Lincoln said, no one has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. A little lie leads to a bigger lie to cover up the little lie. And it snowballs. And by the end, we can't even remember what was truth to start off with. And if something we get away with, with a really little lie, it's probably so small that it didn't matter anyway. But when it comes to lying to God, then it really makes no sense at all. God is truth. He knows everything. He knows us better than we know ourselves. What's the point in trying to deny to him that we've got things wrong? What's more, he's already forgiven us. He's already hung on the cross for us. There is nothing that we could admit to that would surprise him. There's nothing that we could admit to that he doesn't already know. There's nothing that we could admit to that he hasn't already covered with his blood. So it makes no sense. We need to just come and admit to him that yes, we are frail. Yes, we've got things wrong. Yes, we need his help and his forgiveness and he's oh so keen to give it to us. So gossip and denial, two types of false witness, two things that really can only ever hurt ourselves. The actress Bette Midler said, I never know how much of what I say is true. And we can get to that point where we don't know what to believe anymore. And it makes us suspicious of other people too and mistrustful. Because if we're lying to them, maybe they're lying to us. The fabric of all healthy relationships is woven with truth. And lying tears this fabric apart and destroys our confidence and trust in one another. This year, our theme is loving community. 
And I'm sure many of you will remember we started the year looking at one another's. Well, I want to give you a couple more one another's. We need to trust one another. And in order to trust one another, we need to believe one another. It's only in doing that that we can really come together as a loving community. And more than that, if we think about the verse for the year that's written on the back, John thirteen thirty-five, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. We need to be a people of truth, recognised as people who are always honest. Truth is often associated with light. As in the psalm I quoted from earlier, and lies are associated with darkness and hiding things away. But truth is a light and we need to be a beacon of truth shining out into a world of lies and deceit. So, let us hold on to the truth. Let us avoid gossip. And let's take responsibility for our actions. Let us go out there, speak the truth, and speak about the truth. In Jesus' name. Amen.